Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to this Not the Top 20 podcast, a betting preview of the League One season 2018-19, which starts in just a couple of weeks. And while you were focusing on the World Cup, we were focusing on the opening of the markets across the EFL. We've spoken about the Championship, we've spoken about League Two, and if you want to hear those podcasts, you can find them wherever you found this one. Uh, But today and now, we're focusing on League One. We is myself, Ali Maxwell, George Ellick, as always, and thankfully, we've been joined by a proper shrewdy, Mike Holden, who joins us. Mike runs the Fox Punter service, which we will discuss in greater detail about halfway through the podcast and um, you'll all know him from from previous appearances, very popular appearances, I should say, on uh, on the podcast. I must say, Mike, uh, I think you're the one person that we've... Someone actually DM'd us once and just randomly said, can you get that guy back on the podcast? Really liked him. And I was like, well, we'll yeah. keep him at arm's length for the moment. But uh, <laughs> well, that's nice I thought hear. that was nice, yeah. I thought yeah, that was very, very nice. nice to hear. I remember, so I remember speak, speaking to Nick Goff and him telling me that he'd listened to one podcast of ours. And I was like, oh, nice. He was like, yeah, one with Mike. I was like, ah, the one I wasn't on. <laughs> That's good. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, we're going to be going through the runners and riders uh, at League One level now. And over the next 30, 40 minutes, we're going to try and eke out some value. We're going to try and lay down some interesting bets so that we can uh, have something to sort of follow throughout the season. And uh, we hope that you will get in touch with us at NTT20pod when you hear something that you like the sound of, when you hear something that you really vehemently disagree with. um, Just get in touch because we're always available to show our working, I suppose, and hopefully we'll do so on the pod. So we'll start at the top with the winner market in League One. Um, it's an interesting one because you've got a huge favourite in Sunderland. Uh, double relegation, Premier League, Championship, now League One. Um, well-documented issues at the club. A possible revival. A new manager in Jack Ross, a new board and owner in Stuart Donald, who has played... A brilliant hand in his first month or two in charge of the club, um, really getting the supporters back on side, uh, replacing the pink seats in the Stadium of Light, which was a very popular decision, and generally bringing a a good feeling back to the club, uh, which had been missing. There is still the question of a large turnover to be made in terms of the squad. It strikes me that Jack Ross has one job to get rid of some of the players that are still there, and there are still some players there from the Premier League days. Uh, and also to put together a squad capable of smashing League One. And that is not a given, as we know, at League One level. Although the two favourites did go up last year in Blackburn and Wigan. So in terms of the winner market, let's just touch on Sunderland first, because none of us are tipping up Sunderland to win the division. Mike, is that because they're bad value? Is that because you're not ready to back them without seeing them? Is that because you just don't fancy them? Um, I think it's because I'm not ready. You know, I think there's just too much unknown to be backing a team at such a short price based on a budget and nothing else, um, and based on a fan base. Um, there's no reason why they shouldn't get it together and why they shouldn't be right up there and you know be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. But you know, Blackburn last season, if you take them as an example, not to say that there'll be another Wigan. But Blackburn came motoring at the end of the season um, and still didn't win the title. And, you know, you, th- you think of things like that. And if, if some team steals a march ahead of Sunderland, then they might take a bit of catching. And, you know, for that reason, you know, I think there's enough unknowns there to take them on at the prices. George, what about you? You, you sort of um, 
knew a bit already about Stuart Donald and, and some of the team around him and um, <laughs> you know how, how have you sort of how do you reflect on his first few months in charge and what does it make you feel about Sunderland going into the new season? Well there's no surprise at all um, knowing you know who's, who's behind it that they've done a lot to appease the fans and I think that that's obviously been very crucial in terms of getting the fans on board and changing just the this kind of toxic atmosphere at the club um, they seem to have done a, a bit of a blinder as well I mean even Mike then kind of saying you know you don't want to back him on a budget I'm, I'm kind of yet to see the, the, this budget really being put to good use um, if you look at the players that they've sold I mean I, d- I don't know if, if, if the, the transfer fees um, of, this, of the players sold has gone to the old owner Ella Short or gone to the new owners but they've, they've raised about 20 million quid in transfer fees and they're yet to pay a fee for a player um, they've brought in a lot of players from Scotland who Jack Ross will obviously know well but I, I'm in, just not a fan of players coming down from, from, from north of the border. I think we've seen far, far more flops than, uh, than, than good signings from, from those leagues. And it's just at the, at the price they are, I think the fact that they're even money uh, for promotion makes this just a great market because I'm so happy to take them on. I mean, if, if they do go up, then, then fair play to them and I'm happy to let them win it or let them, uh, let them go up at five to four. But I think it, it opens the whole thing up massively and I'd be very, very surprised given the players already at the club, given the managerial talent, if, if they were anything like uh, Wigan or, or Blackburn were last season. So we're all looking elsewhere. And I'll start with you two, because you're going to be, uh, you know, you're like the Chuckle Brothers on this one. Um, <laughs> Mike, I'll start with you, and then you can send it over to George. Who do you fancy for, for the winner's market in League One? Well, there's, there's two or three teams that interest me, but one in particular, and that's Luton. Um, I think... They came up in second place from League One last season. But, I mean, you know, your football finance podcast the other week spoke about, you know, 80% of the Premier League money going to the Championship, 12% to League One and 8% to League Two. There's so little between League One and League Two nowadays. I think it's perfectly feasible for a team to come up and go up again in these two leagues in the way that, you know maybe was possible previously in League One in the Championship I don't think is anymore but these are the two leagues where it can be done uh, Luton set a standard last season that League Two has never seen before and although it got a few people's backs up and understandably so in Andy Holt's case that Nathan Jones is coming out and saying we're the best team in League Two the league table shows that they wasn't and what Accrington did was phenomenal but I do think they are the strongest team to come out of League Two and they will that will be in evidence this season. I don't think they really need to had had to do a lot of business to be be able to punch, you know, top six this season. But they have done some good business as it goes, and uh, yeah, I just think they're going to be really strong. I think they were we're in the third season now of Nathan Jones. Really, sort of his philosophy is you know it's it's all there, it's all in place, it's ingrained in the players the way they're supposed to play. I just think they're ready. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's a part of me that thinks that it was almost being in League Two which held them back in a way. I think the, the type of opposition they had to face, the, the, the grounds they had to go to, it didn't really fit a team who were basically better than that. All right, Nathan. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I know. No, but, but I think, that, I think there's, there's, there's mileage in that. But, uh, and I think that they are well set. Yeah, they've kept their, their squad together. I mean, they lost Ollie Lee, who's, who's a loss, but by no means catastrophic. There are other players there who are more important. And if you look at the players they brought in, I think Nathan Jones is another one who really gets the quality of player that he needs. And in George Grant and Sonny, and Sonny Bradley, they brought in two players who are just, just really good additions to what's already a, a, a great squad. 
And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to back them in, in a few markets. I mean, they're, they're 16 to 1 to win it, which is a knocking each way bet. They're 13 to 2 stand out with Skybet for promotion, which again, I just can't see that's going to last very long. And, uh, and top six at six to four, it, it may seem skinny for a team who've just come up. But yeah, I, I think that they look like one of the quality teams in the league. And there's another, you know, we'll get on to it, we're talking about teams that we don't really fancy. But again, the Barnsley at five to two and Charlton as short as kind of 130. It's just, you know, to have three favourites in a market like this, who you're happy to, to really take on at those prices makes it, makes Luton for me just, uh, yeah, a, a hugely in, uh, exciting prospect to get behind very exciting what about teams like Peterborough uh, or perhaps you like Peterborough so you should tell us about them I do well I do like Peterborough I'm not sure how much I like them as title winners if I'm honest which is why I wasn't going to jump straight in but maybe it's worth talking about them Um, they got Steve Evans as manager which I'm I'm not sure if that's good or bad I know that he's had great success over the last decade um, the last few years, l- less so, I suppose, um, although he had a tough gig at Rotherham and, and Leeds and a less tough gig at Mansfield, and that's where I have my reservations. I really think that Mansfield squad should have been going up automatically last season. Um, but whether it's Steve Evans or Barry Fry or even the chairman in some cases, Darren McAntony, I'm not sure, but I've been really impressed with the, with the way that they've dealt with their summer transfer business so far. Peterborough are famously a team that lose their best players. They sign them from non-league or from League Two. Um, They become excellent players and then they sell them for seven-figure fees. Now, we've already seen it with Guion Edwards, went for 700k. Uh, He signed from Crawley. Um, It is expected that Marriott and Madison will go as well. In fact, I thought they would go before Edwards, uh, but they're clearly looking for some serious transfer fees for those two. Madison came from Gateshead. Marriott was Luton's third-choice striker the season before he signed. Um, It's really impressive what they do. I think we can all agree. Now, that doesn't mean that I think they've always been a really great side. And actually, I think they have, in the last few seasons, since we've been doing the podcast, actually underperformed to my eyes and underwhelmed me on the pitch. Um, But I'm not going to have my fingers burnt too much by that because they've got a different manager this season. And again, some some signings that I just think are fantastic. I've always liked Yorworth at Crawley. He's a 23-year-old centre-back that comes in. Their defence looks fairly set. Um, they've got four good centre-back options, good full-back options. Uh, in midfield, uh, Louis Reed, who we liked last season at Chesterfield, he's come in from Sheffield United. Um, they've, still, they've signed Woodyard, who was Lincoln's best midfield player. Um, O'Hara comes down from Scotland, who I don't know much about, but supposedly looks quite good. And then, uh, let's not forget, they signed George Cooper from Crewe in January, who we like a lot. Siriki Dembele, who I've banged on about a lot, despite the fact he hasn't actually done anything particularly good in his career yet, but I think he could do. Um, and up front, Jason Cummings has signed, and they're, they're very much in the hunt for Moisa as well. So more than anything, I'm just impressed that they consistently turn over these players, um, that they lose their best players. And you know, at a time when teams are, I'm convinced, going to be caught short by the shorter transfer window, um, you wouldn't be able to say the same about Peterborough and I'm just uh, quite impressed with them so that's the end of my Peterborough chat um, I quite like Pompey as well actually um, I, I'm certainly having a look at them um, to win the league they were sort of sort of quietly good without being very good last season but it was their first season up uh, after promotion from League 2 and in Kenny Jacket they've got a manager who's won promotion from League 1 a fair few times at Wolves and Millwall spring to mind um, and They've not been going crazy in the transfer market, but 
you know, we saw them play against Oxford. Um, and yes, we left there thinking that Oxford were, were very hard done by that day. Um, but just looking at the sort of, they've just got a solid profile to their team. Um, and I think if they can add someone to share the load of goal scoring with Pittman, I just think that Jacket will turn them into a sort of, they'll be the sort of team that just wins 2-0 a lot. That's how I see Pompey this season. I, I, th- think. I think the interesting thing, the thing about them, which I agree with you, is they wouldn't have to do much to get in amongst it. Like, I mean, a continuation of the last few months of the season, if you're taking out those two quality teams at the top, if they just carry on doing what they're doing, they're going to find themselves in, in the mix-up straight away. So mm. for that, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of theirs necessarily, but I can see I can see you're working and, and understand it. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, any teams other than Luton and Peterborough and Portsmouth that we want to talk about, that we want to talk about in a positive sense, whether it's as winners or, or, or top half or just to outdo the bookies' expectations? Um, well, I'm, I'm with you on Peterborough and Portsmouth, I think. They were my other two selections that, you know, shortlisted. Uh, if, you know, you look down... You look down the card and, I mean, you got the Derek Adams factor at Plymouth. Mm. I mean, can they, can they go beyond what they did last season without losing Adams? I think that's going to be difficult. I think that's the worry for Plymouth. If they have a season like that again, overachieving the way that they overachieved, um, with, you know, relative to the resources, then they're going to struggle to keep him. I think he, he's, he's at championship level now, I think, as a manager. I think mm. he's proven that. Um, same, same could be said maybe for Daryl Clark at Bristol Rovers well yeah the, the, I mean I've been really keen on Bristol Rovers for the past two seasons um, mainly um, because of my admiration for Clark but I've noticed a shift in his perspective where two years ago he was kind of ready for showdown talks with a club that you know to match my ambition and we need a bigger budget and we need to do this and we need to do that and he seems to have reeled it back in a little bit now. I think he's kind of accepting that, you know, we're mid-table, lower mid-table budget and it would be too much of a gamble for me to demand too much more. You know, last season particularly because of Wigan and Blackburn. Um, but even this season, I think he's in the same boat. I think it's a case of, you know, he's got a comfortable mid-table squad and can he add the value to get them into the top six? Um, So I I think they've kind of levelled off now, Bristol Rovers, and that's where they're at. They're a mid-table side, but with him, and, you know, they get on a... You know, they've had Matty Taylor, they've sold to Bristol City, they've turned Billy Bowden into, you know, a a 20-goal-a-season player who's now gone to Preston. So who's going to step up this season? You know, if you can find another striker like that, they've got the lad Riley from St Mirren, who apparently Uh has got potential to to bag 20 goals. Then you're potentially looking at a top-six side, if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And and the team I just want to touch on, no surprises here. I mean, I try not to be biased, obviously, about Oxford, but I do think... That the eleven to ten about us to, to finish in the top half is is wrong, really. I mean, it's, it's not massively wrong. I mean, Sky better eight to eleven, VC a bet Victor at four to five. So it's not a huge one, but I just think that given if you look at last season you, and you kind of write it off as a, as an anomaly, given Pep Clotet's um, given Pep Clotet's experiments and just horrific recruitment in terms of the likes of Gino Van Kessel and Dwight Tiendali and, and these players who frankly shouldn't have been playing football let alone League One football um, they've been cleared out now and, and in Carl Robinson you've got a manager who, who may not be everyone's cup of tea but I think if anything he, he always gets certain results which are going to keep you fairly steady 
Uh, last season, Curtis Nelson and Rob Hall were massive, massive injury losses for the kind of second half of the season, really. And they're both back fit. And the likes of, you know, Samir Carruthers coming in. I mean, even someone like Jamie Mackey yesterday. I, I just think that there's enough bad teams in this league that uh, I'd be pretty surprised. I mean, it would have to be, if we were to finish 14th next season, that would be a, a pretty underwhel- underwhelming season. I think all Oxford fans would agree. So I think maybe the expectations given about, you know, I think we're basically being priced up on what was a huge disaster last season and I think that largely that disaster has been erased Yeah I think one team also worth mentioning is Burton I mean we're looking at Sunderland and Barnsley at the top of two teams who've come down who've had such short prices to go back up yet Burton are 28-1 to 1 with the same virtually the same mm. starting 11 that they had in the championship you know rough you're looking through the squad McFadzine 31 years old Aikins 29 years old Turner, 29, McCrory, 28. I mean, we're talking peak age, experienced, seasoned pros who've just played two years of championship football. They're not, you know, they're not going to turn up in League One and be cowed by anyone. They're, 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 going, to be, they're going to be fancying themselves for top six. And I think Nigel Clough, you know, took them up last time, got them over the line. Uh, spent a few years with Sheffield United at the, at the top end of the division, maybe working things a bit slower than Blades fans would have liked. But... So he's used to being up there, you know. I, I, I think Burton could be right in the mix. I, I agree. I think that they've shown in the last four seasons, regardless of whether they got relegated from the Championship or not, at a League One level, that with this squad, with their style and with Clough as manager and previously Hasselbank and, and Rowett as well, that, you know, that they're going to be competitive. They're going to have some quality. They're going to make it hard for you and they're, they're probably going to punch above their weight because let's not forget that they're still a team with a low budget which will be boosted by those two years in the Championship. In fact, being able to stay up that first season, I think, has been massive for that club, just in terms of finances. Uh, and I'm pretty positive on them as well, but I know that George isn't, so I'd be interested to hear what, what, you know, what you've seen about Burton and, and you've thought, nah, don't fancy them. It's more just a trend. Um, it's a similar reason to why I didn't fancy Rotherham last season and that didn't turn out too well. It's just, a, it seems to me that a team, you know, when you've ridden the crest of a wave for so long and you've, you've punched above your weight for so long when that downwards um, not spiral but when, when that movement begins to go down I think it's hard to arrest the slide um, and I think the Bol- uh, Burton did incredibly well to, to stay up as long as they did and also to get as close to, um, to staying up as they did but I, I, I don't know it, it's more just a hunch that I haven't seen enough quality being brought in necessarily to make me think that they're going to be able to um, have another assault on the promotion places fair enough uh, one more addition on Burton um, as we record the top goal scorer market in League One hasn't come out yet but um, from what we saw just in a flash at the end of last season of Liam Boyce and mostly going off his record up in Scotland and just the type of player that he is um, given Burton's price uh, you'd think that you know I really rate Boyce but I reckon when the prices come out he might be quite a tasty price because of their price um, themselves so I'll certainly be having a look at Boise there because I think he could be um, could be an interesting one an interesting tickle for the top goal scorer market um, any other teams we're looking to get with I was wondering about Fleetwood of course we can't really say how good or bad Joey Barton will be although Mike, we might just try and lean on your um, expertise on more of a psychological level and, and knowing what you do about Joey Barton and what you do about uh, 
what makes managers tick and how they respond to things and those who are certain psychological profile. What are your early hunches on how Barton will deal with, well, A, with management, uh, managing any team, but B, the fact that he will be under a lot more pressure than your average Fleetwood manager in terms of media scrutiny? Yeah, I think, I think he'll be okay. I think um, Andy Pilly's clearly excited about having him on board. He's obviously given a really good interview and probably a very in-depth interview. Um, I've looking towards this season. I've been looking at a few videos about it on YouTube, and his his interview at Cambridge Union a few years ago was quite interesting about his whole family and background and and everything that's driven him. And I think he's I think he's a belief merchant, and I think he can get players buying into something. Um, I think he I think he's the sort of manager that's going to know what makes an individual tick and get inside. You know the head of an individual player and potentially get the best out of them. Um, you know, he's, yeah, I think, I think he's, the, I think there's potential there. He's, he's talking, he's going to play 4-3-3 this season and that it's a system, they've, they've let Diagaraga go because, mm. you know, a bit too languid in midfield. They want to be a bit more dynamic this season. And he sounds like he's, he's, he's tailoring it to bring the best out of McElhaney and um, Hunter and, you know, use that, that, pace and, and you know that technique they've got up front so mm. yeah I think I think he's going about it the right way the early signs are, are, are impressive I think I think he could be okay I think he could be a good manager he's very uh, certainly a very thoughtful person and you know until he sees red and then <laughs> yeah well exactly that's it if he can if he can keep that in check and you know he just yeah I think I think he could it's going to be interesting it's going to be fascinating certainly especially with all the wind-up merchants in league one that we've talked about previously yeah I know. <laughs> talk about your fox punter I, I always call it a service is that is that the word you use i'm not really sure i'm never quite <laughs> sure what to call it because i'm a subscriber and i mean it i use it for a wide range of things not necessarily just betting related but i suppose fundamentally that's you know that's the that's the category that it's in yeah the, well the flagship service is is the the ratings shop based ratings that generates its own match prices probabilities and um League tables, alternative league tables, basically um, based on shot ratio. Um, but no, yeah, there is more to it than that, and I'm I'm hoping to add more to it this year as well. I think um, I'll be looking to do things like PDF reports, pulling together a lot of statistics that I believe are relevant. Because I mean, it's, there's a lot, there's almost too much data out there, and I think for a lot of people that are you know are struggling for time towards the weekend to to sort of dig deep and have a look at. Mm. At teams and what bets they might fancy at the weekend, you know, it's what statistics to search for is is you know not always um, immediate. You know what what it is you, you're looking for, and I, I think I've got a good head for pulling the right things together that kind of satisfies most needs. And so there's going to be more stuff like that PDF reports, but the the ratings themselves just alone, you know, we're looking at three three years. It's now the service has been running uh, over four thousand bets. In profit again last season, in profit overall to you know one or two percent on turnover, um, and you know it's a starting point every weekend because that's pre-team news. So you know you these shortlisted bets are coming coming out on a Thursday. I go through the card, see what gets flagged up from the shot data against the market, uh, and then kind of just use a 
a common sense test, I suppose. You know, if you if you know that a team's got a horrendous injury crisis, then you just overlook that that particular selection, and then I just narrow it down to about twenty across the English leagues, twenty across the European leagues. So you you get a list of thirty to forty bets, and then that's the starting point. That you know we'll we'll make a profit on their own, but with a bit further research, you can probably refine it further still. And that is an awful lot of stuff that you put together for your um, for your subscribers. And of course, that is a, a paid subscription. So what we're saying to listeners to the podcast is, if what Mike said has interested you, um, then you should certainly look into the Fox Punter service for the upcoming season. And um, there's a, a little sort of um, a nice little offer, I think, uh, Mike. Is that right for, for not the top 20 pod listeners? Yeah, there's a sweetener for the pod listeners. Um, yeah, basically, if you sign up to the service for the start of this season, um, enter the coupon code... NTT20, then your first month will be free. Um, so it'll be recurring payment, monthly payment of £9.50 per month. Um, but the first month's free. Uh, there's no contract, so you can cancel whenever you want to cancel. But, you know, I, w- I would expect you wouldn't do that after the first <laughs> month. So, <There laughs> so yeah, go. just enter, enter your card details. NTT20 is the coupon code, and your first month will be free. Just a quick one, in between recording the podcast and releasing the podcast, Mike set up the NTT20 offer on the Fox Punter service. Unfortunately, uh, it's not able to do a free month's trial uh, with the payment system, so there'll be a nominal £1 charge, but I think that's still excellent value for you to be able to explore what Mike offers and and see if a a longer-term subscription might be for you. So there is a £1 charge, but obviously we still think that that's going to be good value for you. And and if you're interested in what Mike has to say, then you should go and check out the Fox Bunter service and make sure you use coupon code NTT20 for your trial, which will be £1 for the first month. Right, it's time to worry if you haven't heard your team's name yet because we're looking at the bottom of League One and it is very, very hard to call this season. Now, the favourites for relegation are Accrington, are Wickham, Gillingham and then followed by Walsall, Wimbledon and Blackpool. And just above them, Rochdale, Doncaster and Shrewsbury um, and the aforementioned Fleetwood. So it's definitely an interesting one. I mean... I would say one of the most recognisable things about League One, one of the things that makes it unique, which as the middle child in the EFL, you know, they're always looking for a bit of uh, uniqueness. And uh, for, it, for me, it's those four relegation spots. I mean, it just makes it absolutely brutal. That's one-sixth of the league that gets relegated every season. And last year was horrendous. It drags on, the pitches are muddy, it's cold, and that relegation battle just gives me nightmares. So... That's what we're talking about now. Four teams have got to go down, Mike, and it seems hard to pick them, especially with Accrington and Wickham as the favourites, because, you know, if we're going on trends, then, you know, they've basically stayed up already. Yeah, well, I think this is the most fascinating market of any you can play in the, in the EFL this, this summer. Um, you've got, for the past six seasons, no League Two team has gone straight back down, and yet at the, the top of the betting of the relegation market... You've got Accrington at 13 to 10, Wickham at 6 to 4 to go down. Really, really short prices. And I think they'll both stay up. I certainly think Accrington will stay up, unless, you know, obviously not got a huge squad. 
barely made any substitutes in the second half of last season. They were so well drilled and well organised with their starting eleven. If they keep that starting eleven fit and they, you know, they, they they get into the swing of things quickly enough with that same team, they've all signed up to new contracts. They were all out of contracts in the summer. So many of those players signed up again because they wanted to be part of it. If they keep that going, I think Accrington will be fine. I think they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll keep not just stay up. I think they'll keep the relegation zone at arm's length. Um, which is a big ask on, you know, if you're looking purely at budgets, but we don't think there's a great deal between League One and League Two. Uh, and Wickham, you know, they, they could, it could be touch and go for Wickham, but I think there's enough experience and know-how and even just the Akin Fenwa factor. I mean, Wimbledon didn't take them with him, take him with them um, into League One when they got promoted, but that might show that, you know, it was a mistake and that, that you know, he can... He can basically lead the line for Wickham and a survival bid for Wickham so then you're looking at four places two teams who are shorter than six to four to go down and you're looking at four places it just opens up so much potential uh-huh. for teams you know it's whoever you fancy really I think from you know from the rest there's all sorts I think the team I worry about most out of the lot at the moment is Walsall um, I think the way they finished last season I know that Keats came in and tightened things up and steadied, you know, steadied the ship kind of defensively. You know, he's quite defensive-minded and he tightened them up. But they're going to need to score goals if they want to stay up. And, that, you know, they're not going to be able to nil-nil and, you know, under one and a half goals games all the way to the end of the season and expect to stay up because right. they'll probably fall on the wrong side of those margins more often than not. Um, so I do worry for them uh, out of the bottom, you know, the bottom bunch but I mean it could it, you know you could be looking a lot further up I mean Bradford are a team for me that they have got you know the, the, the atmospheres are getting a bit toxic there now because they've literally stripped the club of all the experience and all the season campaigners that they had mm-hmm. so that might have been a well chosen long term strategy that you know we're going to start again and we're going to build it with younger players and and, and change our recruitment policy and so on but they've lost the fans in doing so so they're starting from a, a, a real poor position there and their data in the second half of last season was awful huh. I mean they were relegation form for, the, for virtually the entire second half of last season so you know you're getting nine um, sorry what price are they to go down eight to seven to one eight to one to go down I think is you know could be huge very interesting, yeah. Roman Vancelo leaving, I saw today, just as I was on my way here to Crawley, which I didn't expect because, you know, you talk about leaders in that team and he's certainly been one of their real talisman, talismanic players in defence and in midfield at times uh, over the last two seasons. So that's another one biting the dust at Bradford and an untested manager in Michael Collins as well, who... Uh, Maybe that's part of it because I, I didn't note that some of the players in the squad were actually older than him. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's part of his plan to uh, to sort of get a bit more uh, authority. George, um, you know, it's four spots, plenty to choose from here. Who's catching your eye for relegation? I've got I've got three. Brilliant. Um, one is is a fairly standard one, where they keep proving us wrong. But I, I think that I've got to be backing AFC Wimbledon again at, at three to one. Um, and Lyle Taylorless. Um, three uh, AFC Wimbledon as well. I just think that eventually their time has to run out here. Um, you know the job that Neil Ardley is doing is, is obviously incredible, but like like it was with Burton in the Championship, their time will come, and uh, and I don't I don't want to want to not be on when it does because <laughs> I haven't for the last two seasons. Um, talking of Lyle Taylor, the other one, and this is you know for anyone who hasn't listened to the Championship podcast yet, 
um, a bit of a spoiler, but it's similar to the Leeds theory uh, with Charlton, where, again, I think they got very lucky last season, not in terms of the performances, but in terms of having um, Lee Bowie and Johnny Jackson as a cheap alternative to Carl Robinson, who, against anyone's expectations, managed to turn it around and massive respect to them for doing so. But it meant that they didn't have to go on the hunt for any manager. It meant they didn't have to spend any money on doing so. Talk today that Charlton staff are being told they're not allowed to turn the lights on in the offices because mm. um, m- money is so low. So here's a, a, a quote from the statement from Card, which is um, the Charlton sort of protest against Roland de Châtelet group. And I think it's definitely worth just reading out um, to sort of back up your point. Obviously, the, the, tra- the takeover deal was meant to happen in February and it still hasn't happened. Um, and in their statement, they've said the club has no chief executive, no head of finance, no chairman, no functioning board of directors. And since March, no permanent first team manager. But has not actually been permanently, officially appointed yet. Um, they can't even get access to fans season ticket payments made by credit card because the payment handler will only release the cash game by game which is a a remarkable situation to be in so you can kind of see where you're starting to come from just in terms of general chaos and and their third favorites for promotion which i just find and it could go right they had a squad last season that that took them into the playoffs uh, and to the final and i think that in you know I hope Johnny listening to this isn't 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 too upset with me saying so because they've done an incredible job. It just feels like as a club, it, it wouldn't take much for the wheels to fall off, and and for that reason, I just I, I can't have them being a that that short for promotion and, and b such a big price to go down. And, and at 16s, there's got to be value there. One other team mm. that I'm, I'm interested in as well, and this is going slightly against the grain, is um, is our old friends Plymouth. Um, in that, I'm a huge Derek Adams fan. And I think that what he's done there is, is unquestionably brilliant. But I think the, 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 the wave they rode last season was unsustainable in terms of shot data. They weren't actually, the performances improved, but not to the extent for the results they were picking up. I think the expectations this season, because of that run and because of just missing out in the playoffs, are going to change to now. The thinking isn't let's just stay up. The thinking is now let's push up for promotion again which could lead to some unrest if they have a slow start. We saw last season that you know Adams isn't a superman. They had that horrible run of form for the first few months of the season, so it's not unprecedented for them to do so. And at 7 to 1, you know, a similar price to um to Bradford who we spoke about a second ago. I just think that I would rather be this season. I'd rather I mean, when they were having they were having that run of form the shot data still had them kind of in the lower reaches of the, of the division, let alone um, towards what they were doing. So yeah, seven one to go to go down um, is something that I'm I'm interested in, and it pains me to say so. And, and eleven to ten to finish in the bottom half with, with Skybet. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Doncaster really. Uh, if we're looking for a team that I think could be in a bit of trouble, uh, obviously Darren Ferguson has left the club. He's been replaced by Grant McCann, uh, who was in charge of Peterborough last season and um, left the club. Darren McAntony claimed he was his biggest fan and a great mate, but clearly just didn't feel like he was going to be the one to take Peterborough any further. Um, so I'm not sitting here saying he's a bad manager, but I, I didn't, that period at Peterborough didn't lead me to think he was anything exceptional. Um, and as well as that... I don't think Doncaster were particularly impressive last season. Um, they only scored 52 goals. Luckily, they only conceded 52 goals. So that was the reason they stayed up fairly solid defensively um, under Ferguson. Um, is McCann a, 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 a manager that can get a 
bottom half club and, and give them a top half defence I'm, I'm not really sure but that's what will probably ultimately save them um, and just looking at the squad I think there's a, a real lack of quality they rely so heavily on James Coppinger and at the back Andy Butler and that's not necessarily what you want to be doing with a combined age of 71 um, they have got some some good players Joe Wright I think at the back with Butler is a good player but uh, and Luke McCullough in midfield and obviously you know Marquis up front is basically a a one-man attack at times for them, but I always feel a bit bad for him, to be honest, because he does the work of about three up there. Um, and it's it's tough going at times. And, you know, with those four relegation spots, it, I almost feel a bit bad to say this because I, I think some of their fans are actually feeling quite positive about this season. But um, there's just something about Donny that I'm just not quite into this season. Um, and then looking at, at the teams that are a bit more fancied, I mean, Scunthorpe are the seventh favourites at this stage uh, for promotion. Um, and I'm more looking at their bottom half price uh, because there's, again, just not a lot of great atmosphere around the club at the moment. Um, they have had one of the higher wage bills in League One for the last two or three years uh, with a turnover right at the bottom of the league. Um, and that, at a certain point, is probably not going to please the chairman. Um, they've lost Adelican and, more importantly, Murray Wallace. And I think, although they were quite hard done by in that playoff semi-final and did very well to get to the playoffs. Um, and I quite enjoyed watching them in that semi-final under Nick Dawes. Um, I just, I'm, a, I'm a little bit worried that they're essentially trending downwards. So uh, w- w- when, when I see them predicted to be a, essentially a playoff team or just outside the playoffs, and that's more or less where they finished last season, I'm actually looking for them to be not quite as good this season. So Scunthorpe, another pick for me. Um, any other business, gentlemen? No one tipping Shrewsbury this year? No. What are you thinking about Shrewsbury? Uh, I think Is it going to be a disaster? Watch, surely, aren't they? I think they're best watch. I think the, 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 manage, the, the appointment, appointment of Askey looks really interesting. I think they've, they've been smart with who they've got in. They've, they've got someone who's got a similar, a similar CV to Hurst um, and a guy who, who turned around a club's fortune uh, in Macclesfield. So I think that's yeah, one, one to watch for me. Yeah, I think... Um, it's interesting that, that what Askey did at Macclesfield because they, it, it was it was very similar to Shrewsbury in some respects. They were a mid-table team for four or five seasons in the National League, and then suddenly got off to a flyer and sort of took advantage of their you know their early move and just hung in there and stayed at the top of the table for the rest of the season. Um, and he's going now to take over a club. I mean, there could be regression for Askey and there could be regression for Shrewsbury because they've both overachieved. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see. They've, they've lost some key players, Shrewsbury. I think, you know, the, I don't think there's any chance that they'll repeat what they did last season. But I think that Hurst has left a good enough legacy for them to keep relegation at arm's length, even though I tipped them for relegation with Hurst last year. Let me be the first to say free John Nolan because I do not want to watch him playing in the bottom half of League One scrapping around uh, because he's far too good a player for that. I think that's all from us in terms of League One. I think on that note, I think he's the key. Like, as in if, he, if they can keep hold of him and maintain some of the kind of philosophy that the person grained them, then I, th- I don't think there will be. That's all from us uh, <laughs> for League One. Uh, if you've listened to this one, I wonder whether you've listened to our equivalent for the championship and league two because we've done all three divisions and we've looked at all the major markets for all three divisions and given very similar insight uh with the other two divisions so it'd be a shame if you've listened 
if you've got this far and you've enjoyed it and you've enjoyed listening to Mike and George and myself then it would be a shame not to listen to the other two that's what I'm saying even if you support a team in League One and you don't really care about those leagues there's some value to be found and we're finding it for you so get in touch with us at NTT20pod if we've said anything that you think sounds really clever then uh, obviously let us know that seems unlikely um, if there's anything we've said that has really wound you up and you think is wrong then do let us know because um, you know there's still a couple of weeks before the season starts and some of the bets might not be placed yet so it'd be good to know if, uh, if there's something entirely wrong that's at NTT20pod and you can follow Mike at ratings underscore Mike and definitely make sure that you're having a look at his Fox Punter service if that is something that piques your interest <laughs> 